Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. How many of you are grateful for a long weekend? Yes, because Caleb, you've got such a hard, uh, a hard boss to go back to on Monday. Uh, yeah. Um, look, witty I may be, but I've actually got a, a sort of a, a sombre uh, sense this morning. I guess maybe starting at the dawn service helped with that. But uh, I just want to start by reading uh, something today. And by making mention, I guess, of two places or two locales that uh, are primary in my mind uh, when I think of Anzac Day. They have two areas of the world that have achieved uh, legendary status, I guess, in their place in Australian war history. There are many uh, others, and you'd think of others yourself, but for me, uh, personally at least, these are the ones that have the most prevalent place in my mind when I think of the Australian soldier. And those two places would be Gallipoli, and the second one for me would be Kokoda. The 25th of April was officially named Anzac Day 105 years ago today, 1916. On the morning of 25th April, the year earlier, 1915, the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps set out to capture the Gallipoli Peninsula in Turkey, and Turkey were the allies of Germany at the time. Upon landing, my great-grandfather among them, the Anzacs met fierce resistance from the Ottoman Turkish defenders. Their plan to knock Turkey out of the war quickly became a stalemate and the campaign dragged on for eight months. At the end of that year, the Allied forces were evacuated. Both sides suffered heavy casualties and endured great hardship. Over 8,000 Australian soldiers were killed. News of the landing on Gallipoli and the events that followed had profound impact on Australians back home and although the Gallipoli campaign failed in its military objectives, the Australian and New Zealand courage, endurance and mateship left us with a powerful legacy and a fitting day to remember the sacrifice of all those who would give their lives in military service. Well, fast forward 27 years, 1942, and the Second World War was right on our doorstep with 242 Japanese aircraft bombing Darwin in the largest single attack ever mounted by foreign power on Australian soil. Between July and November in that year, the Australian Army halted the furthermost southward advance by Japanese troops in New Guinea, Papua New Guinea, pushing the enemy back across the mountains. Australian troops repelled the highly trained Japanese invasion force along what was a mail route of small interconnecting trails which crossed incredibly rugged and isolated terrain. This, of course, became known as the Kokoda Track. Soldiers were challenged by steep, treacherous inclines, deep valleys, dense jungle, a debilitating climate and drenching rain that frequently turned the ground into quagmire 
More than 600 Aussies died. More than 1,000 were wounded in those four months fighting in the vicinity of Kokoda. Casualties due to sickness exceeded 4,000. Like Gallipoli, the story of Kokoda is one of courage, endurance, mateship and sacrifice. These qualities are forever declared on the Australian memorial erected along Kokoda at Isarava, Isarava, the site of a major attack by the Japanese in the last days of August 1942. And both sides suffered heavy casualties. We've got that photo of that memorial. Many of you are probably familiar with it. Uh, it's not every year that this significant national day falls on a Sunday, falls on a church day. Okay? Uh, now, we would all, those of us who know Jesus, all hold the view that our citizenship in heaven uh, is that which is of absolute and prime and ultimate eternal importance to us. It is our greatest value of citizenship, our heavenly citizenship and residency. Um, but I think as I'm becoming increasingly aware or concerned uh, of a concerted attempt by certain voices and influences in our culture to erode uh, a sense of national pride, the recognition of the many great achievements uh, of this country and the immense sense of gratitude that the privilege of living here warrants. We have the immense privilege of calling Australia home. To be a citizen of Australia in the 21st century is to win the great lottery of life. And while for most of us our citizenship came to us for free, came to us free, the privileges of our citizenship are not cheap and they are to be valued highly. So today on a church day, I felt it fitting to pay tribute and give recognition to those who have contributed to making Australia the greatest nation on earth and to be at a a service this morning to, I guess it's the first time I've had a 19-year-old <laughs> to hear the words of that song. I was only 19. And uh, I guess the first time I haven't been able to message my uncle, my Vietnam vet uncle, and then this morning to get a message from my old pastor in Hong Kong who's an Australian immigrant and just in tears about how grateful he is to call Australia home knowing the privilege it is to live in this country. I just hope uh, that our sense of pride and gratitude for Australia lives on and we should model that as a Christian community, I believe. Because today, while we value being Australian, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk to you as the Christian community regarding these four powerful words from Kokoda. Courage, endurance, mateship, and sacrifice. Courage, 
endurance, mateship and sacrifice. As an Australian, I would love nothing more than for these four attributes to move beyond a monument, to move beyond a moment in dreadful history and to be part of our psyche, part of our culture and infuse our culture at large and particularly for the younger generations. But as a Christian, I'd love to think these attributes can be modelled by us first and foremost. Can you imagine what a Christian community would look like where we fully embodied these qualities? Imagine a Christian community where Christians were known for their courage. Not the absence of fear, but the willingness to face our fears head on. Imagine a Christian community that was known for her endurance, for stickability, for enduring through trouble, enduring through heartache, enduring through issues, to finish what we started and to maintain our commitments. Imagine a community known for endurance. Imagine a Christian church known that had a reputation for mateship, where other friends may let me down, but my Christian mates, they're always there for me. Imagine a Christian community known for its sacrifice and willingness to give its life on behalf of others as we see modelled none better than our founder and great hero himself. And the fact is these qualities are not limited to war heroes. They're not limited to men. They're not limited to Aussies or Kiwis. And they're not limited to people of a bygone era where wars were fought in black and white. These are attributes of God himself. These are qualities of God. Courage, endurance, mateship and sacrifice. These, in a sense, are fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) Paul didn't quite put it that way, but if he was Aussie, he definitely would have. (laughs) These are qualities of God. The reason that any human beings can demonstrate these qualities is because all humans are created in his likeness, but how much more those who have the divine nature within us? How much more those that have been born again of his seed, of his new creation nature, exemplify these qualities? In the book of Acts, we see that happen over and over again. The church was birthed in courage. The church endured incredible hardship. The church rallied together in mateship and led sacrificial lives This is part of our DNA. Aussies, yeah, but as the church, absolutely. As followers of Christ, this is who our Saviour is. My purpose this morning is not to point you to a soldier. My purpose this morning is to point you to Jesus and the great hero of all heroes and to commemorate above anything his heroism today and the way that he, we can look up to this figure that has given his life for us, but today lives, and today lives within us, this great hero of heroes that we should honour above all today for courage, for his endurance, for his mateship. It's there in the Bible. And for his sacrifice. Courage, Willow. Courage. How did Jesus demonstrate courage? 
Christmas morning is a good place to start. Simply by leaving heaven, coming to earth in that vulnerable place, the courage that that would have taken to leave all that he'd ever known, in a sense, and to truly identify with the vulnerabilities of humans. Can you imagine the courage that that must have taken? When he faced the devil one-on-one in the wilderness temptation, spoke back to him, taken up to a high place, looking down, tempted with things that took courage for Jesus to face off in that battle and come out the other side, a courage that Israel historically had failed and that's why Jesus had to undo that and prove himself faithful. It took courage to turn over tables in the temple. You know. Don't get between certain people and their money, right? (laughs) These tradings, money being exchanged, the courage that it took to kick over tables and to get, get a whip and drive as people out of his temple, to confront the hypocrisy of those around him, not only a religious spirit, but as we often neglected to mention, and it's our fault, preachers, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that Jesus confronted were also the political figures of the day. To confront the political spirit that they held took great courage to do that. I love him for that. Took great courage to walk through a mob of people that wanted to kill him and just walk straight through when they wanted to stone him. It took courage to face, ultimately, of course, the agony of the cross, to look at the cup in Gethsemane and say, not my will, but your will be done. I don't know if it's accurate to say that Jesus experienced fear. I'd definitely err that way. I wouldn't want to lose a theological debate about it. But that's what courage is. Courage is certainly facing fear. And if he was tempted in every way that we are, then I'd put my money on that he genuinely experienced fear and he knew what it was to take courage and to combat fear face on. We say that often around here that to encourage someone is to put courage into them. Encourage. E-N means into. Courage. When you encourage someone, it's not just a little pat on the back. True encouragement is putting courage into someone and saying, you can do it. You can do it. You've got this. You've got this. Keep moving forward. You've got this. And courage is there for the taking. There's a famous moment where Jesus... Actually, it's not that famous. It's an obscure moment where Jesus spoke about courage specifically, and it's to the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Jesus is in Acts, Chad. Yes, of course he is. In the book of Acts, and Paul is facing the same struggles that Jesus did for those three years of his ministry. He had religious opposition, political opposition, mobs that wanted to attack him and drag him down. He spoke the truth. He did it in love and it riled hatred in people toward him and they wanted to stone Paul. They dragged him out of the temple. There was a conspiracy of 40 men, I think it was, who were planning and plotting to kill him. His life was in danger and Paul knew what that was, to face that fear of his life fear of being uh, cast out of his community that he knew at the time. And it says there in Acts 23, verse 11, uh, Jesus literally appears to Paul at night and says, Take courage. Take courage. What you've done for me here in Jerusalem, you're going to do 
in the capital of the known world at the time. I love that phrase, take courage. Because it means that courage is there for the taking. Courage is part of your wardrobe. It's part of the clothing. It's part of the armour. It's part of what God gives us in the new birth experience. It's part of being part of his family. You get the uniform. It's up to you whether you take it out of the closet and wear it. But courage is there. And it's there for the taking. Take courage. It's been given to you. Now take it. Take courage when you face fear. Famous words in red in Acts chapter 23. When you face fear, as I've said before, just remember that fear is facing you. When you face fear, remember fear is facing you. And greater is he that is in you. So who do you think you are facing me? I'm facing you, boy. I'm facing fear. Wear courage. Courage, Willow. Courage. <laughs> You're just going to have to YouTube that because I know that 95% of you don't know that reference. Courage. Secondly, endurance. Sometimes courage, of course, is short-lived because when you've got a brief battle or a brief Moment of fear, it only may take sometimes a quick decision of courage and then it's over. A spontaneous moment where courage is required. Courage does not have to be a long-term thing. It's being something you put on and then take off because it's no longer required. But perseverance or endurance is different. Sometimes where the enemy we're facing is fear or danger or insecurity, it is a moment of courage. But sometimes our enemy is boredom. Sometimes our enemy is laziness. Sometimes our enemy is distraction. And we don't necessarily need courage at those times. We need endurance. We need endurance to face those enemies. While many Anzacs went off at the age of 19 to face an adventure, much of their adventure was just enduring, enduring, enduring. And those of you who've got any hint of a grey hair on your head, or maybe none at all, have lived long enough to know life is a marathon. Life is a marathon of endurance, enduring and enduring. Endurance is about stickability. Faithful to finish what you've started, to uphold your commitments. And while particularly in our church circles, okay, the charismatic Pentecostal, whatever, prophetic world... It's, we're more inclined to relate spirituality, being spiritual, to being spontaneous, spontaneity. A, spiritual, a truly spiritual person is a spontaneous person, blown here and there. You never know where they're going to go, okay? Blown here and there by the Spirit, they're spontaneous. Well, when you read Hebrews 11, and the people that are commended there, what we know as the Great Hall of Faith, some of the biggest names on that list are commended for their stickability, are commended specifically for perseverance. I'm happy to say that spontaneity is a quality of being spiritual, but so stickability, endurance, and perseverance. These are also highly spiritual and deep qualities that are exhibited by others in history, but more than any, exhibited by Christ himself. And so at the end of that Hebrews 11 list, the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 12, you know it well, it says, therefore, 
since all these witnesses in history are surrounding us and cheering us on, as it were, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles and holds us down. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How do we do this? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured. Courage, endurance. Courage and endurance. And Jesus, the great example of that, for the joy set before him endured what was ahead of him. As often been said, what was the joy set before Jesus? person next to you. Oh, you too, fine. But Jesus, knowing the joy of seeing you sit here today, Jesus, knowing the joy of having you as part of his family, of knowing that his sacrifice, his endurance, would result in you knowing him and being an heir of eternal life, for that joy of knowing, the joy that happens in heaven any time a sinner repents and comes to him, that joy, Jesus knew, I'll endure. I'll endure the cross for that, that joy. And I, for one, am incredibly grateful for his courage and for his perseverance. Courage and perseverance. Mateship. Mateship. A well-known Anzac Day verse, John 15, verse 12, Jesus speaking. says, My command is this. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Now, greater love has no man, or no one, than this, to lay down one's life for his mates. It's the best Greek rendering, friends is whatever. It's mates, okay? To lay down one's life for his mates. He then goes on to say in the next verse, verse 15, he says, I, in fact, no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his master's business, but instead I have called you mates. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus shares something here of what friendship or mateship looks like. It is a sharing relationship. What I've had from the father, I've shared with you. What's mine is yours. Uh, this is a sharing thing. You don't really share with servants. You pay them what their, what their due is. But with a mate, with a friend, you share. You exchange. And Jesus died and served his mates. Now, this is read on Anzac Day for good reason, Remembrance Day, because it is the greatest kind of love that a man can have. To love those who he loves, or love those who love him, love those for whom there is relationship. Of course, we find out later on in the Scripture, in the book of Romans, that the love that Jesus had, yes, was this love, but it was also a whole other level higher. Because Jesus did not just love and serve and give his life for his mates, loved and served and gave his life for the guys in the trenches on the other side. For God so loved the world that Jesus died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a holy man. Maybe for someone they really love and respect, they'll throw themselves in front of a bus for that person. Maybe. That's the best man's love can be. But God loved us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still sinners, he called us mates. While we were still his enemies, he called us his friends. 
And Jesus demonstrated that mateship. I've shared this before, but seven quick things about friendship that I've learned. F-R-I-E-N-D-S, friends. And no one told you life was going to be this way. The jingle just went into my head. Another 90s reference. Okay, here we go. F, friends are few. True friends are few. Uh, many acquaintances we may have, but friends, true friendship is few. Ah, friendship is reciprocal, reciprocated. I, thank you. I before E except after, see? Friendship. True friends are intimate. Intimacy. Into me you see. Vulnerability. Open to go, I'm nothing to hide. Nothing to hide with a, with a true friend. I have few. Reciprocate. Intimacy. I, friends are energy efficient. There might be times where you put extra energy into friends because they're going through a hard time. But by and large, friends are energy efficient. Friends, they're not always a drain. There might be draining moments. But they're not always a drain in the long term because as much as you give to them, they give to you. And there is an ease overall with true friendship. Few, F-R-I-E-N. Friends are near. I'll be there for you. Even when they're a long way away. I'm there for you. D, friends are devoted, committed. Good times and bad. This is... What Jesus, what I think Peter, uh, the guilt and the shame that he experienced when he abandoned Jesus, when Jesus needed him, he realised his devotion wasn't quite there as a follower or maybe just as a friend, that he wasn't there for Jesus. F-R-I-E-N-D-S. We come full circle. Friends are sacrificial. Because that devotion means that a true friend is willing to pay a price. And so Jesus, and we come to the last quality now today. Courage, perseverance, mateship, and sacrifice. Greater love has no man than he will lay down his life for his friends. This is not a superficial love. As much as God's love might be superior because he loves his enemies, it is not a superficial love. It is a sacrificial love. It is a love that costs something because it's worth something. And as I said earlier, the freedom that we, the privileges we have as a country may have come to us for free, but they didn't come cheap. How much more does the grace of God come to us free? But it does not come cheap. It costs something. And no greater place is that shown, no greater place is these qualities shown than at Calvary on the greatest moment, Jesus' high point in his ministry. The cross of Christ, his cross at Calvary, where he demonstrated courage, perseverance, mateship, laying down his life, and sacrifice, a sacrificial love. Today, we commemorate those who've given their life for temporary benefits. This morning, we celebrate and honour the great soldier who gave his life for eternal benefits. One of the ways we do that, number one is just by being here. I don't have to convince many of you. But the other way we do that is by sharing a meal together where we take his body, his blood, 
we remember the qualities that he's demonstrated for us and how that has benefited us today and we celebrate what we call the Lord's Supper. If you're a follower of Jesus today, if you understand most of what I've been saying, and even if you're a visitor, if you're a visitor, you'd like to share communion with us, please do. If you're here today, and maybe you've never been to church, and it's very courageous for you to be here, um, you don't have to participate in anything that we do, okay? What we're about to do now is we're about to grab some bread and some juice, and we'll come back to our area, and we're going to have communion. If you want to relax in your own space, you don't have to participate in this, uh, but everyone is welcome at this table. So that's what we're going to do. I don't want you to come to a wine barrel. There's one up the back if you're sitting in the last three or four rows. Otherwise, come up here, come grab some bread, break it off with a napkin, and uh, if you can grab yourself a glass and uh, maybe one from each couple, if you're here with a couple, can do that. Why don't you move and let's have communion together. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au and of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.